Elemental by Disney's Pixar. So today we are talking about Elemental. It is the new Disney Pixar movie in theaters. And spoiler alert, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fabulous. And right off the bat, there will be spoilers for this movie. I am not planning to temper what I say or only give a spoiler-free review. So if you don't want to know what happens in the movie, this is your chance to escape. Because here we go. Um, my other big, I guess, asterisk I want to put in this review going forward is that, um, I think there's, it's a very clear allegory in the story for kind of first generation immigrant parents, that kind of thing. Um, and I cannot speak really to the validity or not validity. That might be the wrong word. The realisticness of that piece of the story. I can tell you what I think of it, but I am not a first generation American. Um, I am not, you know, my parents were not immigrants. And so I don't have that piece of the story, um, to talk about. So yeah, I just want to throw that out there that I'm not trying to pretend that I understand that story from a personal perspective. So when I talk about how realistic it seems to me, just know that I am not someone who has that experience. I am not a first generation. My parents are not immigrants. I did not grow up in like an immigrant or a specific community like that, the way that this movie is portraying. So I don't have that background to speak to. So it's coming from my experience without that. Um, but before we get in, actually, to um, Elemental itself, I want to talk about the short that they have before the movie. Um, as Pixar always does, there's a short ahead of it. And this one is a take on sort of a epilogue to Up, which I thought was super cute. Um, so it's the old man from Up um, who lost his wife and has his whole story in Up, which is tragic and beautiful. And he has his dog, Doug, which we met in the movie as well, who can talk. Because obviously. Um, and so this movie, or this little short video, is happening after the movie. And he is sort of moving on with his life in a way that he hadn't in that movie up. But that he was still very much clinging to the memory of his lost wife, Ellie. And now he is going you know, getting ready for having a first date with someone new for the first time since his wife has passed and, you know, talking to her picture and kind of making his peace with the idea that he can move on with his life and have somebody new in it and not just be alone forever. And Doug, the talking dog, is very instrumental in talking through him through this and saying that you need to, you know, be happy and I want you to be happy. And it's a beautiful thing. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was very well done. It's just this little snippet of life because the whole short ends with him walking off with Doug for his first date. And it's just super cute. And I thought it was fabulous and a nice little like I said, a, just a little epilogue to the movie up itself. And 
I think that on like Disney Plus, they should put it as like play immediately after. If you ever watch up on there, that they should just play auto after as a little epilogue because it was super sweet. And I loved it. All right. So that's all I've got for that first little thing. And then we get into the movie itself, Elemental. Um, so the premise of this movie is that all the people, quote unquote, are the elements. So there's earth, air, uh, water, and fire. And so earth are, you know, literal earth balls with like plants growing out of them. Air are look like clouds, which I don't know that it completely works because, you know, there's water in clouds. So it's not pure air, but wind gust we wouldn't visualize as much. So they, I don't know what they're actually made of, but they look like clouds. And then water people are quite literally made of water. They're people shaped, but made of water. And they can like dissolve or not dissolve, but like they can flow into different shapes and things and whatnot. Um, and then there's fire, which are also people shaped fire, like quite literally burning. Um, and so they all, it seems like, come from different places, like each, kind of like they're different racial groups, is what I think the analogy basically is, of from being from different places. And then there's Element City, where they all are living together here, um, and a lot of people from, or elements from all over the world, are have settled here in this big city. And what you see happening is that sort of earth, air, and water all sort of get along and live amongst each other in the city proper. And um, fire are discriminated against. They are not seen as a good fit. People don't want them, you know, renting houses in their neighborhoods or going in their stores. They are turned away from businesses and places because they're seen as dangerous because they're fire. So, um there ends up being kind of a place that is sort of analogous to like a Chinatown or whatever, a little Italy, a place where all of the fire elementals live, um, which is called Firetown. And that's where they all sort of congregate and they have all their businesses and stuff and they all sort of stay in that part of the city. And um, that's kind of how we start off is one of the, our main character or one of, our main like protagonist of the story is called Ember and she lives in Firetown and her parents come from Fireland. I don't know, from the home, from the old country, whatever, wherever that is, where they were from. Um, and they had immigrated to this new place and it so shows them kind of going through immigration and being approved into the, into the new city and their name getting changed, which is kind of Ellis Island-esque, that the person at the um, at the desk couldn't say their names, and so their names got changed, um, which happened to a lot of people coming into America, that their um, names kind of got Americanized. Um, so that happens to them as they come in, and they don't speak English. They speak um, another language coming in, and they are first going around the city and not able to find a place to live, don't have anywhere to go, are having a hard time, and then they find this old dilapidated building, they buy it, and then more and more fire elementals sort of kind of grow up around them, and that's what builds this kind of fire town area where all the fire elementals live. And this particular couple have a daughter 
called Ember. And you see her growing up and they own a sort of convenience store um, in that is sort of the heart of Firetown now. And Ember is growing up there and she is very much clearly expected to run the store when she grows up. She, they're going to leave the store to her. And she grows up with this expectation and wanting to be the perfect daughter and wanting to do all this for them. And she never leaves Firetown. And, but she keeps, like, having these anger outbursts and things, um, and her father has yet to retire and give her, you know, charge of the store. And that's sort of where we come into the story. And, you know, it's very clear here where I'm getting this idea that the story is an, an analogy of first-generation immigrants coming in or first-generation Americans with immigrant parents sort of trying to navigate the world of both being, trying to, Ember is very much talking about wanting to uphold the traditions of her family, of the home country they come from, while still sort of integrating more into the world she now lives in, and trying to walk that balance there, um, which I think seems really realistic to me and as well as she talks later about how her parents made this huge sacrifice to come here that they you know left their family behind her dad specifically his father didn't approve of them coming to the new place and um, he never saw them again once they moved here once they moved to elemental city and how, you know, this such a huge sacrifice was made to give her the life she now leads. And how do you pay a sacrifice like that back? And she says the only way to is to sacrifice your own life as well. And so she is taught, has this sense of like needing to that. She says flat out multiple times that what she wants is not important. What has important is making her parents happy and that she needs to live her life in such a way that they are proud of her and it makes their sacrifice worthwhile. And that's really deep down in her feelings about the situation, which I think is, again, a relatable story of wanting to make the sacrifice your parents made worthwhile and to prove to them that you're taking, you know, doing what what you should be doing in life to make that up to them kind of. And this idea that she needs to sacrifice her life to make them happy is again, not that it's necessarily the best thing, but it's so relatable. So anyway, she is helping her dad run the store with the idea that she's eventually going to run the store. Um, but she's having these anger outbursts that she's not able to like deal with people because she's just angry at them for being obnoxious and she can't hold it in. So, um, her father lets her run the store for a day and she's about to have one of her anger outbursts, which quite literally is fire, like fireball coming out of her head. And so she has an outburst down in the basement. She kind of runs away from everybody to go have her outburst and fireball in the basement and she causes some destruction. She causes a leak in a pipe, which is not supposed to have water in it, but water comes out of the pipe anyway. 
and a water elemental is actually comes out in the water that comes out of the pipe. And he is actually an inspector for the city and says that like all, none of the pipes are up to code and he's going to have to get, make all these sort of, he's going to have to report all these violations. So he, she chases him through the city back to his office to explain how important it is that this not, that he not do this, but he does. Um, and then he, but then he does help try to help her like through his bosses and stuff to try and keep her, the business from being shut down because of all the violations. And through all of that, they realize that honestly, the fact that the pipes are not up to code shouldn't matter because there's not supposed to be water in the pipes. The water was supposed to be been turned off to Firetown because Firetown doesn't need water. So the actual violations of the building are kind of moot, or they should be if they can figure out what the leak, why there's water in the pipes, what this leak is coming from. So um, Ember and Wade, who's the water elemental who came through and cited her in the first place kind of go off on this mission to find out where the water's coming from they find that there is a hole in these um break water i don't know some sort of doors that are supposed to hold the water back um from excess water coming off of the main river or whatever and there's a hole in it and so that's where the water is coming from and it's coming through and filling up the pipes when it's not supposed to. Um, and so Wade is trying to get some... And basically the higher-ups say, Okay, yeah, as long as you can figure out the hole and you can get it fixed uh, not, like appropriately, then we'll forget about all these other violations and it'll, it'll be a moot point. We won't shut down the store. So they're going through and Wade is trying to find somebody to fix this. And they have, like, by Friday... And, um, he's not able to because, I don't know, there's some weird thing where he had caused a problem for them in the past, the construction crew, the city construction crew, so they're refusing to help him, which does seem to be a little bit of a hole in the plot to me because why, like, I don't feel like the city construction crew should be able to say, no, we won't fix something because we don't like you. I mean, maybe if since he was trying to get it as a rush job, they wouldn't, but it should still be able to be fixed, right? Like, the city employees shouldn't just be able to say, no, we're just not going to fix a huge problem that is going to destroy Firetown because we don't like you, Wade. That's ridiculous. Although, I mean, on the other hand, now that I'm saying this out loud and thinking of it, if we're saying that Firetown is supposed to be a sort of immigrant-heavy town of people who are discriminated against which is very clearly the case throughout. We see, like, no fire allowed and stuff. Signs out places that, like, fire people, the fire elementals are not accepted in the rest of the city. They are seen as lesser than and dangerous. So the idea that the city doesn't care about fixing a problem that is really just a problem for them does make sense. So there's that. Either way, they can't, they can't find anybody to get it fixed. And so Wade is very sad, but just kind of accepting of it. And it's Ember who is, who comes out with, no, we are fixing this. This is going to happen. And so she goes and gets all these sandbags, which is what they'd use to sort of temporarily fix it, but it wasn't working. And she decides to use her fire to make glass. And so she makes this big, cool, tempered glass thing that's attached to the door to cover up the hole that has been created to try and fix the fix the problem and fix the leak and it is enough to pass inspection they're very impressed by it so 
yay, the, the day has been saved. Um, so the door is fixed. And she also shows Wade some, like, beautiful magic glass work that she can do with her fire, which is super cool. And um, so throughout this whole time, Ember and Wade are sort of falling in love with each other, and it's super cute. Um, but Ember doesn't want her parents to know because she knows her father specifically hates water and will be very, very mad at her for dating a water guy. Um... But she does end up meeting Wade's family and they try to be accepting, but they also say weird things that, again, I think supposed to be analogous to this idea of this girl coming into sort of the, um, from an immigrant family go and a sort of oppressed group going into the more mainstream group and them saying, them trying to be nice, but saying weird uncomfortable things to her that like make it clear that they don't know many fire people and haven't interacted with them and don't know what to do with that. Um, you know, again, I'm thinking this is supposed to be analogous of like a quote, like a middle-class white family and somebody coming in who's an immigrant and has very different cult customs and things. Um, is sort of the vibe you're getting here. And they're all very sweet and trying to be, nice they just are a little awkward with her and don't quite get it um but one of the things they do think is interesting is that they're all into art and art stuff and ember ends up um when there's a glass that gets broken by one of the uncles or somebody ember like uses her magic fire stuff to like create this beautiful glass pitcher out of it and um because she's able to like blow glass and make some really cool stuff out of it and they're all super impressed with it and wade's mom specifically has connections in like this glass making place where she's like i can get you an i can get you an internship you'd be amazing you should go for it you know you've got such a great skill for this glass work and that is where ember kind of gets to her the real crux of the issue of what is she going to do with herself? Because she finally admits to herself for the first time ever that she actually doesn't want to run the shop. She's never actually admitted it. And she kind of has this talk with Wade and herself about how she probably has always deep down kind of known that, but she's never been able to even admit it even to herself because she knew it didn't matter. She was still going to do this. And... You know, it didn't matter that she didn't want to run the shop. She was still going to run the shop because that's what her dad wants and that's what she has to do. And that's where she has that whole speech about how many much sacrifice her parents have made. And the only way to pay back that kind of sacrifice is to sacrifice yourself. And so she has to do this for them. It is so important. And she basically breaks up with Wade at that point because she's like, this can never work between us because I have to do this and my parents will never accept you and you can't be part of this life that I'm building for myself in Firetown. And so she run she goes back home and then, you know, digs the knife in a little bit more. Her father's finally saying, you know what, I think you're ready. You're showing that you've, you know, turned a new leaf. You've got a hold of your temper. You're doing so much better. I'm going to retire and give you the shop. Yay! And she's just, you know, had this epiphany that I don't actually want this, but she has to be like, yay, this is so exciting. Um, 
Wade comes back to give her like this beautiful, perfect date to see something she's always wanted to see. This is a specific type of flower. I forget what they're calling it now, but it's a flower that um, can thrive in with any of the elements. That's why it's so cool. It can thrive with, you know, even fire. It can live through it. Like it won't burn up and it's so cool. And she's wanted to see it so badly. And she has this poor kind of memory from when she was a child of her father trying to take her to go see the flower one day because she so wanted to see it. And it was one of those places that had a no fire sign and they wouldn't let the guards wouldn't let them in. And the, her dad had this big fight with the guard and was super embarrassed and upset that they weren't allowed in and Ember never got to see it. And then the whole place kind of got flooded and destroyed. So she never got to see this flower. And, um, so Wade, knowing this, gets his friend, who's an air elemental, in to blow this big, crazy, like, bubble for Ember to exist in. So Wade can take her down through the flooded water to go see this flower, which obviously can live underwater because it can live with any of the elements. Um, and so they have this beautiful moment of her getting to see this flower and seeing them all, like, kind of bloom for her with her firelight blooming, like, getting them to bloom and like turn towards the light kind of like a sunflower would it's gorgeous imagery and they go through and then at the end they've kind of put it too late and she's running out of air and so they have to hurry hurry push her through so she doesn't like get extinguished in the water because that is a possibility for her because she is made out of pure fire um but they get her out in time and he's and Wade is very apologetic for like taking her down there so far and he's like I'm so sorry I never should have and she's like and Ember stops him and says, no, that was amazing. And then they're again talking about kind of this thing between them can never work because he's literal water and she's literal fire. And, you know, and Wade's like, well, we should at least try. We can start small. And so they hold hands and they are able to hold hands. And again, it's a very beautiful moment. They are able to sort of cuddle and give each other a hug and it's gorgeous and wonderful and they're having this beautiful moment and then Ember in her mind is listening to the her father talk about their customs and the blue flame and the store and what's going to happen and how it's going to be Ember's fireplace is what this place store is going to be called and she just freaks out and says no I can't do this we can't do this it doesn't matter this will never work and so she runs back to the store And then the next night or in a couple days, unclear exactly, they're having this big grand reopening that her father has set up at the store to announce that Ember is going to be taking over. And it's this big party. Um, and this is where the imagery of like Chinatown really came in for me. Before this, I wasn't honestly sure which like country they were going for. Like it was all clear an immigration story, but this, the imagery of what Firetown looks like now is very clearly with the lanterns and the colors and things, to me at least, very much looks like a Chinatown, Asian sort of culture coming in. Um, I don't know if that's for sure true, what the, you know, creators were thinking, but that's the imagery that came to me um, when I saw these. So they're having this big party and, you know, having this beautiful moment with the father saying that he's giving her this store and unveiling the new sign that says Ember's Fireplace. And she is having her moment that she 
has been waiting her whole life for to get the store and you see the mixed emotions on her face of her being very happy it happened and that this is what she's always wanted and yet this isn't actually what she wants at the same time and then wade shows up and they have this moment where he says he loves her and her father finds out about this relationship for the first time her mom already knew a little bit that was a story plot point i kind of skipped over but her mom knew about this and has been telling her like it'll you know that it can't work even though um she saw it but until she saw them together and she did her little reading and says that they are true love and then she doesn't know what to do with that information but still like your father will never accept it blah 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 Anyway, so her mom knows, but her dad doesn't. Her dad now is finding out for the first time in front of everybody, and it's this whole big thing, and this big blowout, and it ends up being that Ember has to tell, or that her father says, you know, you're not ready, I'm not retiring anymore, and kind of revokes it and storms off. And Wade, and Ember gets so mad at Wade, she tells him he she doesn't love him, and he's very depressed and sad and leaves. And then, um, basically the whole thing's just kind of destroyed. So Ember gets on her little moped thing and runs off somewhere. And you see her kind of at dawn the next morning at a city park, kind of looking over the rest of the city outside. She's still in Firetown, but she's, or I think, I'm not sure. She's kind of left Firetown. She's looking out of view of the rest of the city that is not Firetown that she spent her entire life avoiding. And just kind of thinking about things and not sure what she's doing. And then what you've been seeing little clips of this as we go along. So that, that um, fix that they made with the glass had cracked at some point, something hit the glass, it cracked and it's been getting a little bit worse and a little bit worse as we've seen all this going on. And this morning is when the crack finally breaks and you see this water now, instead of being the trickle that it was when it was just a little bit here and there, when the hole was fully open, now it's kind of built up behind like the dam basically. And now the dam is breaking and so there's this huge flood coming towards Firetown and it they're screwed basically. So she becomes a a warning. She gets on her little moped and she starts racing towards Firetown to warn everybody. She's screaming at them all that like, you know, flash flood is coming, go to move to higher ground, get out of here. And so she's doing all of that and running towards her family store, you know, warns her parents and then they get kind of caught unawares outside and they get to someplace safe but they're outside the store and another piece that I haven't really talked about yet is one of the things is that they did bring a blue flame from the old country that is very important to them it's like this big cultural thing that they need to keep going this kind of eternal blue flame and it's in the store and the floodwaters are coming and they're going to put it out and they're very upset by this idea um, and her father had brought this blue flame all the way from the old country in this little um, lantern that he brought with him and so she is going to go, like, capture it. And in the meantime, you're also seeing Wade, after she has said this, he's bought a one-way ticket to anywhere but here, and he's crying with his family. It's kind of an ongoing thing that they all cry at the, at anything. All the time, they're criers. And so the whole family's there crying, and her, his uncle has painted him a painting of a sad, lonely man. And, um... But then from the train station, Wade sees that the, like, the waters are coming, and he says, <gasps> Ember! And then cut... And you see Ember in the store trying to, like, block out the water, trying to protect the store. 
And then Wade is there in the tide waters and kind of seeps in through the um, keyhole so that he can help her. And he's trying to hold the door while she is trying to protect the fire and she's unable to do it. And she ends up kind of getting pushed into the fireplace. And then um, Wade is able to get the blue flame into the lantern and bring it to her. And they're both trapped now in this fireplace that has been kind of closed off from the outside. But with her as fire and then the flame, the blue flame and the lantern and Wade, who is pure water, it is too hot. So they're going to try to get out, escape out of the um, chimney, but they're unable to get there. There's debris comes in, blocks off the chimney. They are now trapped in this little pop box, basically. And Wade is evaporating because it's just too hot in there. And she, Ember is, you know, saying she's going to open up the floodwaters you know, open up the barricade she's made to let the water in so that Wade can escape. And Wade tells her no, because the water comes in, she'll, you know, be extinguished. She won't be there anymore. And, you know, they're having to make the choice between the two of them. And Ember admits finally that she loves Wade, even though she's never told him before. And he just says he has no regrets. And then you kind of see him evaporate away, and it's really sad. And then... When the floodwaters have sort of gone past and receded, everybody in Firetown is sort of picking up the rubble, seeing what's left. They dig Ember out, and she still has the blue flame for the family that it hasn't been extinguished, which is good. But she talks about how Wade saved her and saved the blue flame, and that he's gone now, and how sad that makes her. And she's really upset about how much... You know, she loved him, but this also gives her sort of the push to tell her dad, you know what, I know it's been your dream that I was going to take over the store, but it's not my dream and I don't actually want to do it. And her father gives her a hug and says, you know what, the store was not the dream, you were the dream and I want you to be happy. And it's a very beautiful moment. And it's beautiful enough that it makes Wade cry. <laughs> and so you see Wade sort of dripping out of the the ceiling of the chimney and stuff because he has evaporated so he was but he was still water and now he's gathering back together and coming back and it's he's crying and building himself back up and so they say ember starts saying other sad things that in the past have made him cry and um, they're all trying to kind of doing that or ember and her her mom and her dad are all saying things and her dad is the one who's very confused and doesn't understand what's happening because he doesn't know wade but the mom has seen him enough to know about the crying thing so she's just like, just say sad things, make Waterman cry. And so they do, and Wade comes back, and then he and Ember kiss, and it's very sweet, and her dad just kind of wants to look away, because he's not sure what to, what he's seeing. Um, and then that was enough to like kind of make the family understand that, and make Ember understand what she wants, and so she and Wade are together. And she decides to go take that internship that's outside the city. And um, she's going to go do that. And her father is able, you know, you kind of just are seeing things move, progress forward. Her father finds somebody else to run the store. So he still gets to retire and the store keeps going on and he still gets to be there, you know, and be part of this family at the store that he's built up his whole life even if it's not his daughter running it he's still in charge kind of but he's 
pushed off the day-to-day to somebody else and he's very happy and she's going to go off with Wade to do her internship in this glass blowing place and she's super excited about it and then the movie ends with her leaving and so she and Wade are together going off on this boat for their next big adventure and her parents are there and Wade's mom is there um and because Wade's dad died a while back so he hasn't been part of this whole story so it's Wade's mom and Ember's parents are all there and Wade and his mom have a very teary goodbye which is very on brand for them and that's when I think it's Ember's dad says, are you sure about this guy? Like looking at them, like what in the world are they doing? It's funny. And she says, yes, I'm sure. And then at the very, very end, she's about to get on the boat and she turns back to look at her father. And this is something that we've seen from that initial story of Ember's father actually leaving Fireland where he gave this, you know, very big cultural, I forget what they called it, but it's a bow that he gives. And he gave it to his father and it's supposed to be given back as like proof as a show that you admire or respect this person. And in this context between the parent and a child is the parent doing it back is showing that you're giving your blessing for their life and their decisions that they're making. So when Ember's father had left the home country, he did this and his father didn't bow back because his father was against him leaving and thought that it was a bad thing and that... You know, that they would, they needed to stay separate and in their fireland, or, you know, they would lose their culture and stuff. So, that's a wound that sort of Ember's father has held his, the rest of his life is that his, fa- his father never forgave him and didn't approve of what he was doing and whatnot. And so now in this second, this moment again, so that was also when um, Ember's father was about to get on the boat. He did this and his father did not reply. And it was this big, like, heart-wrenching moment for him. And so here Ember is about to get on the ship herself. And she does the bow to her father. And I'm going to cry. And her father does it back for her. Saying, you know, showing that he approves. And he has given her his blessing to do this with her life. And to make this choice. And... You know, we everybody knows that's what the bow means. They have this moment of bowing to each other, and then they both get up. They don't say anything. Um, and Ember continues walking to follow Wade up onto the boat. And that's the end of the movie. And, yeah, it made me cry. I loved it. Um, again, like I said at the preface, I don't have the lived experience of being first generation, of having that sort of immigrant experience that they are talking about here. Um, So I can't really necessarily speak to that aspect of it, but it seems very um, well done here, in my opinion, is very understandable. Um, And this concept of wanting to please your parents is something that I don't think, I think that I, you can understand even if you don't have that experience, and that seems very relatable. And also this idea of, like, sort of star-crossed lovers, those literal water and fire trying to date And how, like, your family wouldn't approve and don't know what to do with that is also very relatable and, I think, understandable in a way. And, yeah, I just really loved this movie. I thought it was so well done. Such a neat concept for a movie. A nice way to sort of talk about cultural diversity and racial diversity and 
what that means, like keeping your culture from your heritage while also trying to live in the larger world that you currently live in and how you can try to kind of honor both pieces. Um, because at the end of the day, Ember's still fire. And she still is honoring those traditions. She still has a lot of... She is still honoring the blue flame that is so important to her family. Um, and just because she's leaving Firetown and just because she's not working in the shop the way her father wanted her to initially doesn't mean that she is dishonoring her family or forgetting where she came from. And... I love that message, and I love that her father, you know, realizes that, or tells her that, you know what, it, running the store was not the important piece. The important piece is that you are wanting, the important piece is you and that you're happy. That is the goal here. Like, I wanted to give you a better life, and I thought that the store would be that, and you seem to be happy with that idea. But if you're not, the store is not the piece that is the thing, right? It's you. It's the legacy is you, not the store. And so I really loved that. And this idea that he loves her, he loves his daughter, no matter what her choices are. And that, you know, she doesn't have to run the store to make her father proud. And that he's able to figure it out and keep the store running without her support. And yeah, it was just a really beautiful story. Again, very fairy tale in the sense that, and not even that they're all elements and have these like magic water and fire powers and things, um, but fairy tale in the sense that everybody gets very is very happy that her father actually does love her enough to forgive her, you know, to not want her to run the store in spite of everything. Um, and I would hope that most parents would feel that way if they truly understood. But I don't know, I mean, I don't, the idea that it's okay for her, like, he's able to keep the store running without her, that he's able to um, have the life he wants anyway, does seem kind of fantastical. Not completely unrealistic by any means, but um, it does seem his swap of realizing that she doesn't need to stay there and run the shop to be happy is very quick. Um... But, I mean, again, it's a kid's movie. I don't think they have time for him to rant and rave for too long before he gets it. And they do have this crazy moment where, you know, the flood comes in and he's not sure if she lived or died because she went into the store. Um, so that puts everything into perspective, I'm sure, which helps him be able to move through his feelings in a way. But, in any case, my point is that they did a beautiful job. This is a really, really good movie. Which is everything I expect from Pixar. I love Pixar. I think all of their movies have been so good. And this is just another one in the series that has been fabulous. I wish they marketed it more because it doesn't seem like a lot of people even knew it was out. Um, but definitely go watch Elemental. It is so good. It made me cry. But I like Wade and his family. I'm a crier. I cry all the time. So that's not a new thing. And so, yeah, I give this movie a lot of props. It was so good. Definitely worth watching. Um, yeah. I don't think it was... I mean, 
I'm sure some people are going to say it was ham-fisted or something because people don't like it when you talk about these racial things and try to put them in other ways. I mean, that's what people talked about with Zootopia and all these other other kid movies that have tried to cover similar topics. I don't agree with that. I think that trying to teach... I guess... Trying to teach that people are people... Um... Even if they have different cultures and things is a good good message, I think. And I think they did a really nice job with it. And I also enjoy that they didn't, you know, save the world. They didn't end this with and racism's gone now, you know, like and everything's fine for fire people and nobody has any sort of inherent biases left anymore. They didn't try to go that far. They didn't try to say, and the world is solved now because of this one interracial relationship. Um, but they were trying, but they're saying that like this next generation is able to keep some of their heritage or keep their heritage, but still like move on and integrate into this new world too and that that is not a mutually exclusive idea which I think is really nice to see and is a more modern way to look at it I'm just thinking um I said I'm not my parents were not immigrants I am not first generation by any means but you know as most people in America my parents did my family did immigrate here a couple generations back and they immigrated at a time where like they kind of got rid of their culture when they came over right um so my family would come over they were german and polish um mom and dad's side respectively and they came over and ditched a lot of their heritage that way neither none of that culture has sort of survived a couple generations down so on both sides would be would have been my great-grandparents that came over and on both sides my grandparents spoke the language but didn't use it all that much and my parents didn't at all and I don't at all and have no like real connection to either Polish or German culture or history or anything, Um, which I never thought of growing up. But looking back now, it is kind of sad that you've completely a couple generations in my family, at least, has completely lost that heritage. Um, It's more of a like, oh, yeah, my family, I have German and Polish heritage. I do. I mean, but I know nothing about it. I don't know anything about the language. I don't know anything about the food or the music or anything. Um, so I do think that there is something beautiful about the more, I guess, modern outlook where we tell people not to try, you know, that it's okay to teach your kids the language and you don't have to just learn English, which was, I think, when my grandparents were coming here, that was more the thought of like, your kids should speak English and assimilate and, you know, lose the old culture. And I'm glad that we're hopefully moving past that in some way with this new kind of idea of that you can have your feet in both cultures and know about both and learn both languages and all of that. And hopefully that's sort of the message we're getting here of Ember being able to have the best of both worlds of, Still honoring her the culture she came from and loving it and keeping pieces of it, but also being able to move into the new country she's part of as well and that not being dishonoring of the world she came from, which I think is sort of the message of it. So I really love that and I thought it was beautiful. And I've rambled on for quite some time about what this movie is, but 
yeah, I really love it. And I encourage everybody to go watch it because it's fabulous. And yeah, I think that's it. I don't know that I have anything more to say, but I really do enjoy this movie. And I... Pixar's killing it as per usual. So there you have it. And with that, I think I think I'll leave you on there. Um, I would love some engagement if anybody else has seen this movie, especially if you are first generation American and you have anything you want to say about what this movie got right or got wrong or um, anything like that that you'd care to share with me. I would love to hear it because like I said, that is not my experience. So I am not able to kind of judge that piece of it. But I would love to hear somebody's experience who does have that experience and can say whether this kind of jives with their feelings or how, whether anything that happened there was, you know, good, jived, if anything was offensive that I completely missed, which I didn't see, but that doesn't mean it wasn't there. You know, I would love to hear that experience from somebody. Um, I'll have to go online and see. I'm sure somebody has posted about that somewhere, um, but I hadn't looked that up because I was waiting to watch the movie. I didn't even really know that that was a theme in the movie going in because I had no idea really what this movie was about. So um, I didn't know to look for it before, but I will now because I am interested in that. But if anybody is listening to this and has an experience like that that they'd be willing to share with me, my contact info is in the description. So please feel free to share. I would love to hear it. And if you want me to share it on a show in the future, let me know, because I'd be open to that as well. Um, so with that, I really am leaving this time, I think. Um, I love this movie. Go watch it. Had a great time. And I will see you next time. Bye. And after all of that, there is something I forgot. Um, there was something that I noticed while I watched. They went to Soya movie, um, Wade and Ember, on their first little date. And the movie they went to see was Tide and Prejudice. And obviously that is a, you know, reference back to Pride and Prejudice and the fact that this is a little, a nod to one of the original, if not the original, enemies to lovers trope romance which this is an elemental and i squeed i loved when i saw that it was on the marquee when they went to the movie theater that they went to go see tide and prejudice and i thought that was fabulous and it brings it back to my austin content which is also fabulous which i also was not intending when i first went to go see this that it ties back and it's now a jane austen adaptation maybe because of that joke and because it's Enemies to lovers. Anyway, I forgot to talk about that in the rest of this. And I love that that little, like, piece is in there that the movie they go see is Tide and Prejudice. And that's, again, fabulous little detail. Love it. Love this movie. Just had to jump back in to let you know that because it's important. Yes. Anyway, for reals now. Bye.